when I started hiring staff and being a mom myself and realizing that this is a mom-based business, when I hired, I always said that it was going to be half-day jobs for everyone because we are moms. So when we had the shop, we didn't open from nine to five. We opened at half past eight in the morning and we closed at 1.30 p.m. because whoever was in that shop was a mom and she had to fetch her child from school and then go spend the afternoon with her child. And lots of people were like, you know, you've got a shop, you're paying rent. Why don't you keep it open and hire a student to work there in the afternoon and I was like because a student is not a mom and she can't sell my baby carrier the way a mom can which doesn't understand how to relate to where that mom is so it was a real mom based business so now I've got two staff members out but those job positions were four hour a day job positions so myself and Sean are able to balance those positions we're still able to support each other I've completely designed this business to suit my lifestyle and suit what I think a business should look like Hi everyone, this is Margie Chuang and welcome to Moms Who Build, a podcast about moms who build things that bring them joy. I learn about what inspires moms to start their own journeys, what keeps them motivated, and what it's really like to build things while being a parent. This episode features Shannon McLaughlin, founder of Ubuntu Baba Baby Carriers. Shannon's business launched in February 2015, just six months after her son was born, out of a personal need to help her baby sleep for longer periods of time and to have more freedom as a struggling and overwhelmed first-time mom. Before Shannon launched Ubuntu Baba, she was a freelance web designer who worked mainly with female startup businesses. Shannon's goal was to create an easy-to-use, breathable, and comfortable carrier that could be used from the newborn days onwards. When Shannon launched her business, she started with one machinist who worked part-time making baby carriers. Today, Ubuntu Baba has a full-time team of six who manufactures the carriers, as well as another team of six that helps Shannon run the business. Shannon is incredibly generous in this episode and openly shares her struggles as a first-time mom, how she became her first customer, and how important it is as a company and as a fellow human being to make people feel like they matter. Without further ado, please enjoy my heartwarming conversation with Shannon McLaughlin. Shannon, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Shannon is joining us from South Africa today. How are you doing? Really good. We're having a beautiful day today. I'm sitting in my lounge. I've got the fire going. So yeah, really excited to talk to you. Me too. It sounds, well, I don't have a fire going, but that sounds lovely. (laughs) (laughs) What inspired or motivated you to start your company back in 2015? When I was pregnant, I had no idea about baby wearing or baby carriers. Kind of wasn't really on my radar. And when my son arrived and I eased my way into motherhood, I couldn't believe the difficulty that I was having with putting him to sleep. So that's sort of the journey of how do I get my baby to sleep? What's the best way? Luckily, a friend suggested baby wearing. She actually came and she gifted me one of those stretchy wraps that you get where you just wrap the baby. It's like five meters of fabric and you need to learn how to use it. But once you've got that baby in there, they're so comfy and they just fall asleep. The day that I experienced that, I was like, what is this magic? (laughs) I'm like, why didn't somebody give me this when I left the hospital? This is changing my life because I can actually go through my day now. So that was the inspiration point. From there, it started my baby wearing journey of understanding more about the fourth trimester, which isn't really spoken about very often. We all know first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, but fourth trimester is a whole new world because babies on the outside. I just really opened my eyes to 
the lack of support for women and the lack of understanding about what the mother and the child needs during that time. Yeah, the fourth trimester is definitely not talked about nearly as often. I've always wanted to be a mom, but when I had my first son, I had no idea what I was doing. Your hormones change so much, you just become a different person once you become Mm. a a mom. What was your experience when you came home with your son during that fourth trimester period? It was very overwhelming. I had a very intense birth experience. We had planned a home birth. We landed up going to the hospital. It was a really long labor. landed up with a C-section. So I was already pretty traumatized by the time I got back home because nothing had gone as planned. I always say to people, like for me, motherhood was a bit of a slap in the face. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, a lot of moms are like, oh, yeah, that's a great way to explain it because you're expected to just be like, oh, it's my new baby. It's so cute. It's a very different experience for a mom within her own self and what she experiences compared to what people are seeing because we don't talk about it. It was quite intense for me and it was nothing what I expected it to be. And I really thought that I was the only mom out there that was going through having these really overwhelming, intense feelings. You know, you feel like, sure, everyone else seems to have coped so well with this and you don't talk about it enough. So it was very, very overwhelming time for me. Thank you for sharing that. When you were going through the process of learning about the baby carrier and how it changed your life and the different fabrics and everything, were you working or doing something else at the time that you were thinking about starting this other company? So I came from a web design background. I'd been in web design for over 10 years before I had my son. And in my head, I was just going to take about two months off and then kind of slowly ease back into it. So I had clients, but they all knew that I was having a baby and taking some time off and we'd planned around that. But yeah, during the time where I was developing this product, I started working on the development of this product when my son was about three months old. And at that point, I had started doing client work again. It wasn't as intense amount of web design work that I was doing while I was pregnant, but there was other work going on. Did you end up talking to your family or friends about starting Ubuntu Baba? Yeah. First, it was with my friends, with my mom friends. I was looking for a new baby carrier after I, my son had outgrown the stretchy wrap, and I knew that stretchy wrap had a little bit of a lifespan. And that's kind of where we started talking about what the different options were in baby carriers. I started looking around doing internet searches. So we definitely had conversations around it, but I don't think anybody very close to me had experienced baby wearing to the level that I had, like the depth of how it had changed my life. So it was really a research project for me because I didn't know if I had known or had closer friends that were baby wearers, I might have known about this sooner. Because as soon as I realized how helpful it was, I'm such an advocate now. As soon as I meet a new mom, I'm like, do you have a baby carrier? It's life-changing. And it's not because I own a a baby-wearing brand. I'm just like, I want to help you. Your life can be much better (laughs) if you have this piece of equipment. (laughs) And my dad was in the manufacturing industry. They make hiking gear and backpacks and that kind of thing. And he's been in that industry for his whole life, basically. So we threw around a lot of ideas. I was buying the different brands of baby carriers, testing them out and showing him. There were lots of interesting conversations on the way to developing the brand. Oh, that's fantastic. So was your dad part of the process to build the first prototype? Yeah, my dad was a huge part of it. I can't sew at all. And I've never (laughs) developed a physical product in my life. But I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit about me. I've tried a million different side projects. Some were successful, some not. 
when I say successful, like I managed to launch them and get some stuff out into the world and get feedback, but then I would get bored and change paths and all that kind of thing. I would never have been able to do it. I would have had to pay someone to help me develop a product if I didn't have my dad there. So that was a huge benefit to me. We manufacture the product from his factory. We are basically his customer now because we're a separate business and we buy our carrier from him and their staff manufacture it. We were one business, but now we've separated just to keep things a bit cleaner because there's so many moving parts now. But when we started, that's how we started. And it was just me and my dad at the factory every day, busy hours. I would put my son in the carrier. My son was with me at the factory and we test out different patterns and different ideas, different fabrics. So that's how we got it going. It's challenging to say the least to build a company, especially in the early days. I think we all go through the process of being really, really excited for the idea to then the question of where do I even begin? So that's nice that you had a brainstorming partner. And also, I think I didn't realize it wasn't, was the first time when I was building something where it wasn't in my head going, oh, this is going to be a great business. You know, it was different where before I would have an idea and go, oh, this is going to make lots of money. This just was a different mindset. And with this, it was like, I really need this product for me. And I wanted to make it amazing because it needed to be comfortable for me and my baby. And obviously, those are the two people I wanted to be happy with it. (laughs) So (laughs) it was high standards that I had to meet there. And it was much less about building a company and more about getting the product right. And only once we hit that level of I'm happy with the product, did it become exciting about building the business. Yes, absolutely. Baby wearing is a life changer. It was a life changer for me because your hands are free. The baby is sleeping, comfortable being on your chest. How did you fit in being a mom and baby wearing your son while thinking about making that next prototype and bringing it to market? I started designing the product from when my son was three months. And by the time he was six months, we had the first prototype and I was selling baby carriers. So when I think back, it's insane. I mean, we know how it is to have a three-month-old baby. Sleep deprivation is real. And then I obviously had my web design stuff on the side. There wasn't much of that, but maybe still two hours a day of that. And then the project of designing the baby carrier and then caring for my son. My partner was with me as well, and we could do things together and he could help and assist in certain ways. But when the baby's that small, they really want their mom. So baby wearing was just, it was a 24-7 thing. I wasn't ever anywhere without that stretchy wrap while I was developing my baby carrier. It came with me everywhere. And I've been asked this question a lot because people are quite surprised when I tell them it was a three-month journey of developing the product. But I was so needing this product that I was at the factory every day with my son. I was so obsessed with getting this product right. It definitely wasn't healthy. I had lost a lot of weight as well after pregnancy and I wasn't in a healthy space at all, but I was just pushing through. And I think as an entrepreneur, I've also experienced, you know, when you've got this idea and you want to make it work, you have this drive inside of you that just gives you more energy somehow and helps you get to the finish line. And so I had that going on at the same time. But what I realized after telling the story over the years is that I suffered with postnatal depression. It was kind of always around me for the first six months of life, but it was of my son's life. As I got to the point of finishing designing the product and that product starting to go out into the world, it was a bit of a relief. I realized now looking back that that product was really distracting me from my depression. And so as soon as I was finished designing it, that's when I really hit rock bottom. And it was about when he was seven months where I remember going, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. I need to get help. This is not healthy. I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) 
it did help me to obviously create the business that I have today, but it wasn't a smooth path. I remember being in the factory with my dad as the product creator. I had this idea of what I wanted in my head, but I don't have any manufacturing experience. So I had no idea how to make what I wanted to happen, happen. And I can be very stubborn and very forceful. So me and my dad clashed a lot. He was like, this doesn't make sense. Manufacturing wise, it's not going to work. And I was like, well, you're the designer. Work it out. Because <laughs> it has to happen like this. We need to create it like this. We got into quite a few tips, but it was all in a loving way. And eventually now we're working together and it's great. So it's quite yeah. a journey. Thank you for being so candid about that. When you, that seven month hit, what did you do to get help during that time? So my first point of call was my therapist that I had worked with in the years before. I hadn't seen her for probably about two years, but I literally remember the moments of being on the bathroom floor after experiencing a panic attack and just being like, this can't go on. This is not okay. I need to phone Annie tomorrow. So that was my first thing because I've been on this self-help journey for quite a few years and read all the books and the power of now and <laughs> all of that and gone through a bit of a journey. But I just knew that I wasn't in a healthy space. She had always been my angel, I always call her. And she knew me, she knew how I worked and she knew that certain therapies worked well for me. So yeah, I went to see her. That was my first point of call. And then the next thing that really helped me and changed my life was I discovered Kundalini meditation. This was from me doing research online, like how can I get out of this in a natural way? Looking back, it probably would have made my journey a lot easier now that I know more about postnatal depression if I had gone to see a clinical psychiatrist or something and, and actually got diagnosed and actually got medication to help because I've seen how medication can help in the right circumstances. But I never did that. And I think it is what prolonged my journey a little bit because I think I just had such adrenal fatigue or I don't know, looking back, it's difficult to say now, but it took me a long time to get out of that dark place. But Kundalini meditation was a huge, huge help for me and I still practice that today. Could you pronounce the name again, Janet? Kundalini. Kundalini. It was a course that I did online. Mm -hmm. It was called the Fierce Grace Collective and it's run by Carrie-Anne Moss, who's actually the actress from The Matrix. <laughs> oh. I discovered it through some other online women's circles that I was in. It was a 12-month course and basically every month she would give us a new meditation. They were really simple. Then we would do that meditation every morning for 30 days and there'd be an online community. There's different things that you do and it can be as simple as a three-minute meditation every morning and you'd do the same meditation for a month. One would be for abundance, one would be for healing or whatever. There's so many. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I need something to anchor me and this was the thing I found and I just went straight into it. I was very committed to it and I felt the difference in how calm I was within days. It was a huge difference to me. I was sleeping better, gave me a tool to be able to clear my mind. I just had a lot of chatter going on. So now you're feeling better. You're getting more sleep. Let me know if yeah. any of this information is incorrect. You started with yourself as your first customer. You grew to 100 customers and now you have 10,000 customers and growing. How did you go about getting customers to buy your baby carrier? To start out with, once I was happy with the product on myself, I then went and I made 10 more and I gave it to moms that I knew because I was dealing with two human bodies. So the baby's body and the wearer's body. 
And this baby carrier was perfect for my body, but how is it going to be on other people's bodies? And I wanted to test that and get feedback. I said to them, please test this out and just give me completely honest feedback. If you like it and want to keep the product, I'll give you a really good price. In exchange, would you give me a testimonial? So that was kind of my proof of concept, I suppose. And then at the same time, getting testimonials back that I could use on my launch. And that was really useful part of the journey because I could watch somebody wearing it for an hour and see how the product moved on their body and what needed to change and get really honest feedback, which was great. And then from there, getting new customers, when you become a new mom, you just kind of find all the new moms. And there's so many WhatsApp groups and Facebook groups and all these things. And I think my timing was really good where I don't know if it was a changeover, but for me, it felt like this whole women supporting women movement was just picking up more and moms were doing more for each other to help each other. It was really word of mouth because if I had one satisfied customer, she wanted to tell her friends. So to start out getting those first hundred customers, it wasn't much of a grind. It was making a Facebook page. And I think it just comes down to the fact that I'd really developed a good product. We put the Facebook page up made a little website because obviously for me that was an easy part because I was a web designer and yeah I just kind of went out there and going to little mommy meetups wearing the baby carrier I'd go to baby shows and I wouldn't have a stand but I'd just walk around with my son in the carrier and people would come up to me and go oh my god where did you get that and then I'd give them my business card <laughs> you know so that was how it started yeah it was kind of organic that's great. I love that you went to the baby show and you yourself were walking advertising for your business. Yeah. Can you can you share the brilliant idea you had to sell your baby care using a commission-based system for stay-at-home moms? Because I think that that's such a lovely component of your business that yeah. you know what it's like to be a mom and to be literally strapped to your baby at home. Yeah. So what I was trying to work out was how I was going to grow this business. I started getting customers in Johannesburg, which is on the other side of South Africa, and they wanted to try out the product. And I wasn't sure. I didn't know the baby industry at all. I wasn't sure how I was going to get this into shops if I wanted to get it into shops. I'd studied a lot of niche marketing and online and e-commerce. I was really excited about that space. I knew absolutely nothing about retail or wholesale. So just from watching different people's journeys and seeing all was, it was kind of like that affiliate marketing time online. There was a lot of that going on. So I came up with this idea to find moms around the country that wanted to make some money and sell the baby carriers from home. But instead of sending them consignment stock, because there wasn't much, I didn't have much cash lying around to make a bunch of stock and then give it on consignment. So I would send them a baby carrier and they would keep that baby carrier and that would be their demo carrier that somebody could come to their house and try it on, have a cup of tea and learn about baby wearing. Then if that mom wants to buy that baby carrier, she would be directed back to the online shop. And then on checkout, she would choose that mom's name and say, she helped me with my consultation. Then that mom would get a 35% commission. So it was a decent commission. And, you know, for a cup of coffee with another mom, come to her house, it was a really nice interaction. And obviously, when you get that level of personal customer experience, for the customer to get personal attention like that, you're going to give really good feedback. So that was also, it was really helpful in getting the brand name out there and being able to list like stockists on the website, people to click and see, oh, is there someone in my area? And then I just put a note on the website saying, we're looking for a stockist in the Northwest or wherever the areas were that there were gaps. And then moms would see it and then say, please tell me more about it. So yeah, that's how that started working. We've still got a lot of our agents today, but now we're actually at the point where 
we are going to swap over to sending certain agents consignment stock because a few of them in certain areas are getting really well known. Those moms as well watching their journey has been interesting. Some of them are now selling a whole bunch of different products and that kind of model has grown. And it's not that I created this model. I have heard of this being used in different industries, like in the makeup industry or whatever. But I see moms are selling modern cloth nappies now. You can go there and you can learn about modern cloth nappies and you can learn about baby wearing and she sells all the products there, but she's making commission off them, which is great. Yeah. And I think just this idea that you can have tea with a mom who's going through the same milestones that you are. And we all have our good and our bad days, but being able to connect over the the days that Mm. are more challenging. And then at the same time, you're both loving a product. There's just so many pieces there in which you're building a relationship with someone else that is such a great advocate for your business as well. For you, Shannon, you built the product and you're putting it in the hands of moms who are meeting other moms. So it's just kind of building little communities within communities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, today it's quite a cult following, which is quite (laughs) funny, Um, but it's awesome. I love it. Does the name Ubuntu Baba have a special meaning, Shannon? Ubuntu, there's several meanings for it. One of them is I am because we are. And I think it's an Ghani Bantu term. I don't know how to say that correctly, but it's an African meaning and it's got to do with humanity and treating each other with respect. If I see you and you need help, even if I don't know you, I'm going to be there and help you. And that's the meaning of Ubuntu and the spirit of Ubuntu. It's actually written into the constitution here in South Africa. So it's got a beautiful meaning. And when I needed to find a name for the business, I wanted the business name to have an African meaning because I remember when I discovered baby wearing, I said to myself, well, I can't believe I've been trying all these different things like rocking him and put him in the pram. And I didn't think to strap my baby to my body because in South Africa, where I live, the community here, there's a lot of African women. And in the African tradition, they wear their babies on their back. They wrap them with a towel. I'm not sure if you've seen that before. Mm -hmm. And it's like the traditional way of baby wearing. And it's just, you see it. If you go out in your car and you drive and you see everyone waiting for the bus or you go into a mall, you will always see an African woman wearing her baby. And I thought to myself, it's so funny because white women, that's not our natural go-to. We buy a pram. And for African women, it's natural big natural go-to to just wear their baby. And I thought, it's so funny. I've never seen an African baby in distress or crying when I've been out and about. <laughs> and it's always the woman with the prams where the babies are screaming and they're like frantically rocking the prams because that's what we've been taught and that's what society looks like. So yeah, I wanted it to have a bit of an African name to pay respect to the ancient tradition of baby wearing. You're right. I didn't really think about that such a natural thing that African women have been doing for centuries. Let's talk about the Ubuntu community. You had an actual space before the pandemic hit and you have a blog, which is beautifully designed, by the way. I'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah, it's really lovely. And your community is this very real, engaged and passionate community. Was that also an organic growth from your customers or did you bring in women who may not have had babies yet or were thinking about having babies? How was that community built? So I'd been a part of quite a few communities leading up to the launch of Ubuntu Baba in just in different industries completely like a web designer so I would be in WordPress communities which is the software that I used for the website and I had seen what works and what doesn't work and what I realized is that when you're building a brand 
the way you treat your customers, your customers can become part of the brand and they can become the cheerleaders of the brand. When I landed up, I was like, how did other brands make me become that person? And it was always with really good customer service and just being human, not having too much automated emails, not spamming people and pushing sales, being too salesy. I'd come from being part of a lot of female circles and women's groups. And I wanted to bring that kind of lovingness to the brand as well. So I was always very committed from the first customer that we had to our customers today is treating every customer as if they're the only customer in the world and it's only them that matters. That's what kind of is distilled into my staff now as well is that it doesn't matter what their problem is, what they're complaining about, that person's going through something, just treat them like they are important because they are. And there's nothing worse than getting bad customer service. So that's been one of the things I'm really hectic about. And I think that's really helped because with that mindset, every email that goes out, every WhatsApp message, every DM on Instagram, it's answered with love, you know, and that really helps with regards to our marketing campaigns and everything. It's really the crux of it is just being human and making people feel like they matter. And it's because of them that we've created this product to help them. So yeah, it was having a marketing background and being open to these kinds of ideas. And also, I think not ever being in an industry before and being told how to do things allowed me to create a business that was a little bit out the box. Because now that I am where I am, I've been exposed to a lot of other people that are founders and business owners. And I think a lot of people come from industry backgrounds where they've been groomed to this is the way you do this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've always questioned everything whenever we've needed to add a segment onto the business or bring a new staff member on or whatever. I'm always asking questions like, what's the best way we can do this? What would make this job satisfying for this person and how would this help our customers more and just coming from it from that mindset has helped and it has been an organic process but also because I've got a marketing background from day one my slogan for the business is to a happy now because I think that so many moms live in that mindset of oh, I can't wait until my baby's out of this phase I can't wait till they can walk and they kind of wish away that special time that they have with the baby which is just such a small period of time in retrospect so the focus for me was to a happy now is like creating moments in the moment that you can be appreciative of so that is our hashtag that i always encourage people to use when you share our products please use the hashtag to a happy now so if you look at that hashtag you'll see this we also use it on our post but there's hundreds of posts with that So that's kind of how the community started was just having that mindset and then using that hashtag and being consistent with the kind of marketing that we did. Yeah. When I visited the blog, I went to the fourth trimester category and I just saw glimpses of myself and so many of the moms who were sharing their thoughts and experiences on there. That happiness component really stood out to me. The posts and the stories, again, were so raw and honest. The sign-off at the end from all these moms was very uplifting, very encouraging. There was one mom who wrote, I'm condensing for time's sake. She said, I see you there sitting at your table in this busy cafe with your newborn. You think that no one has noticed, but I have. I see you. And at the end of her post, she wrote, you've got this mama. I promise you. Every post there was either the mom looking back at herself at the time and lifting up the current mom who's going through the fourth trimester or just reminding mm. you know, themselves, this was a time where I felt this way. And I just wanted to remember this time. 
And here I am now with mm. my baby. Oh, it makes me like, yeah, it makes me so emotional because I know exactly which one you're talking about. So I know whose story that is. It's so true. And I just wanted to have a space for moms to share their stories because it's so different when you're sitting in a room and someone asks you compared to when you write a blog post because you can be more raw, you know. Mm. And there's so many moms sitting at home, rocking on that chair, breastfeeding for an hour on their phone. And to be able to read something like that just makes you feel like you're just not alone in the world. And you will get through it because it's such an intense time. That's absolutely the feeling because a lot of the time when you are nursing in a dark room, you do feel like maybe you're the only one who is feeling this way. You just feel like you're missing out on life or something, which is so weird because you like nourishing your newborn baby. Right. I think it's just because it's just not highlighted enough. And, you know, this is the norm for what the fourth trimester looks like. It is messy. Yeah, but there are other moms that are going through the same things that you are. And it does feel like even though you've never met this person, I've never met that mom mm. that posted that. But it just made me feel really good that she said, I I see you and you can do it. Mm. It reminds me as well. I remember when I was pregnant walking around the shops and I remember seeing moms with their kids in the trolley or whatever walking past and they always like gaze at your pregnancy bump and they would smile at me. And I remember saying to my mom, why do all these women smile at me now that I'm pregnant? It's so funny. No one ever blinked an eyelid at me. And now that I'm pregnant, they're all smiling. My mom was like, yeah, it's because they know what you're just about to hit. Like they know what you're in for and you don't. <laughs> and, then, and then now I find myself doing it. I remember walking around, seeing a pregnant mom going, oh, bless. She doesn't know what's coming, but you look beautiful. And yeah. then if you see a mom in the shop walking and she's got a child the same age as you, it's like you just give each other a little, a little nod and a smile. I know what you're going through, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I remember there was this time I was in a parking lot. I, I had finished my shopping. I came out. And there was this mom, she had two, no, sorry, three total, two with her. And then one was just melting down next to the car. And mm. I went back into the store, grabbed her a coffee and I came back out oh. and, I, and I gave it to her and I said, it'll be okay. <laughs> you, can, you can do this. I see you. I, I got you. And she was just like, thank you so much. Yeah. That's all I needed, you know? So it's oh. about smiling, doing anything that you can to let each other know that you're there for each other. So you had a room, Shannon, that you designed so that moms in their fourth trimester can come together on certain days of the week. Was that what the room was for? So we actually opened a brick and mortar shop wow. for that purpose. So yeah, so what was happening was because we were selling online, there was a lot of moms who would purchase the product online and want to come and collect it on the day because a friend would have said to them, you're at the end of your tether and you need to get this baby carrier. It's going to save your life. And so that's what she was expecting. She was like, I'm not waiting for shipping. I want it now. Especially if they were in Cape Town, they would want to drive to the factory and collect it. So we started allowing that. And the factory environment is just not conducive for newborns. I wasn't set up to host people. And what would happen is she would arrive there. We'd be there, me and Megan, who I'd hired to help me with stuff. And this mom would come with her newborn baby. She'd need to change her nappy. She'd need to breastfeed. She'd really want to talk about her birth experience. And we would talk to her and we were interested, but it would take away from work hours. It was not a nice environment for the baby and all that. So we decided we wanted to open a space so that we could have a collection point, but also at the same time, we were like, moms need this 
outlet to talk. They've got maternity leave. And we were also going to mom meetups in different hospitals in different areas, showing people how to use the baby carrier and doing talks on baby wearing. So we thought, why don't we just open a shop, have it as a collection point, and then host events there. So that's how that started. And we had that shop for... I think it was just over two years and then the pandemic hits, which we'll talk about. Yeah, we would host every Friday, we would have a get together and we would say any moms and babies that were pregnant or babies up to one year old could come and we would have a speaker come and talk on a topic that was relevant, like a lactation consultant or someone to talk about postnatal depression or baby-led weaning or just anything relevant to the moms that they wanted to learn about. And then we would have some homemade muffins for them. We'd have a lady come in to do like massages. So you'd sit in your chair and then she'd come around and do massages for everyone on their shoulders, which was so nice. Yeah, it'd just be a space to connect. There'd be 10 to 15 moms on those days. And then eventually we collaborated with a yoga studio and she would come twice a week and she would do yoga classes she was a doula so she'd do birth workshops and so the space kind of also just organically grew and it was quite busy little hub for moms in the area to come connect learn about things and at the same time be exposed to our brand and baby wearing and then actually the yoga instructor has now become part of the business and she works with me now so it's really it's been great that sounds so wonderful how did the global pandemic affect your brick and mortar shop Yeah, I think it was the 26th of March in South Africa when we were put on lockdown for three weeks is what they told us. So we were closed for three weeks and then they started releasing lists of essential services that could open. One of them was the newborn, I think, two two years old category for essential items for babies Mm -hmm. and clothing and baby carriers and those kinds of things were put into that category. So we were allowed to trade again. Obviously, we closed our doors for that time. And we were still selling online, but in South Africa, we weren't even allowed to ship. We weren't allowed to use couriers, so we couldn't ship out any orders. Just before the pandemic, we did a sale because we we keep stock on hand. And I was like, flip, we don't know how long this lockdown is going to last. Let's get rid of some of our stock, get some money in so I can make sure I can pay salaries. So we did that. And then we obviously couldn't manufacture for a few weeks. As soon as we were told we were an essential item, we then started manufacturing again and we were able to ship, which was very helpful. But we weren't able to open the doors to the shop again because in August there is no gatherings allowed in South Africa. It's legal to open for us now, but if we were going to have a gathering, it needs to be social distancing. You know, it's a small space. It's 65 square meters. For the amount of moms I can get in there, the fact that they've got to, you know, go through this whole sanitization process, wear masks, I mean, it's just not conducive to what I'm trying to create. That kind of environment, you need to be able to be free and, you know, get your boobs out if you want to and just chill and let someone hold your baby. It's not going to operate on social distancing. So, yeah, we made the call after two, three months and just looking at the situation in South Africa, we made the call to actually close that shop for now and get out of that lease because it was costing us rent money and we're just not able to use the space properly. It was a consideration to maybe turn it into more of a retail shop and stock other brands. But after doing that exercise and exploring it, we just realized that's not really the focus of what we're trying to do with Ubuntu Baba. And it's just going to create a lot more admin for us to actually implement a system like that. I don't want to be a retail shop selling baby products. You know, there's a lot of those around. So I definitely want to reopen in another space one day, but yeah, that shop sadly we have to just let go of at this point. Right. And so are you focusing then more on helping to keep the community together online, Shannon? Yeah, we've moved a lot of the stuff online. We would call them fourth trimester chats when we would bring the speakers in. So on our Instagram profile, we've got a IGTV channel where we've uploaded quite a few videos during lockdown. 
and we've got a lot of little projects on the go. It's been difficult to decide which direction to move with the business now because everything is so uncertain. I've got two staff out at the moment. One of my staff actually got really sick during this time and then another one is suffering as well with postnatal depression. So we've Mm -hmm. been going through a lot. We're a small team and we've been really going through a lot together as a team, but we're a really tight team and we've been supporting each other through it, but there's a lot on everyone's plate right now. We are kind of in a bit of a transition phase where it's also the pressures on to meet the turnover. We've got issues with getting our hemp fabric, which needs to be imported from China. The dollar rand exchange rate, the rand, our currency is very volatile and it's at a terrible low at the moment to the dollar. So the fabric has shot up. There's shipping issues with getting it here in time. So we've just managing a lot of logistics at the moment but the business is still going in the right direction and we've got a hold on things but yeah i would love to open another physical space it's very difficult doing online what we used to it's just not the same but we are still able to offer support to moms through online channels which is amazing i'm so grateful to have the internet and have social media to be able to use it to that degree but yeah i love the in real life meetups there's nothing that beats that It's definitely a really challenging time, but I love your optimism and the fact that you keep pushing forward, moving forward, and figuring out what you can do in the time and with the resources that you have. I was wondering Mm. if I could read a quote that you wrote about and have you talk a little bit more about it. Would that be okay? Sure, yeah. You wrote, growing a brand is hard work. There's no shortcut, and I think that's why people get disappointed. They look at a successful brand that is a few years old and think, I can do that, and they launch. But they don't realize that unless you believe that your product is going to really make a difference and you're willing to work for that, you won't have the energy or the stamina to keep up with the demand. There is no end goal that will be reached. It's a constant journey of learning, pivoting, backtracking, making mistakes, losing money, and pushing through to the breakthroughs and making it work. If you're comfortable sharing, was there a time where you went through a challenge, an obstacle where you had to persevere and take lessons from that helped you grow? Um, yeah, there's been some difficult times financially. And it's difficult going from being a person who's kind of always worked on my own as a web designer, as a freelancer, to now being responsible for people and for people's livelihoods. You know, that process of hiring staff organically happens as you grow. And before you know it, you've got this team of people that you need to support and there's just no room for not having an income on one month. As a freelance web designer, if you don't have jobs, you just don't eat as well or you just sell something if you need money but when you've got salaries to pay and things like that it's a bit different there's definitely been certain periods and one particular period about I think two years ago probably I still remember it was around about this time of the year it's winter time here and sales were down I think I had got into a bit of a routine of just working in the business so much and doing all the stuff in the business that There was no brand building happening. There was no actual marketing happening. I was just kind of recycling content and just not giving 
the time it deserved. Where are we as a brand? What do we stand for? What's our purpose here? What are we doing? We were just selling baby carriers, which is, I don't want to be just selling baby carriers. I want to be helping people and making a difference. I remember getting to a point where I was feeling very lost with the business and there was really bad turnover that month. And then I actually said, I think there was only four of us in management staff at that point and I said you know what I'm closing for two weeks it was like the middle of September and I said no we're not shipping anything for two weeks we're going to take online orders but there's been a notice up there we're shipping nothing for two weeks because I actually just need a break you guys go on a holiday <laughs> like I can't we all need to regroup so we did that and it was really good for me to take a step back and go where do I want to go with this brand I felt a lot of pressure for paying people's salaries and I think I was at the point where I was like okay I can actually throw in the towel now and not have to deal with this I've made a good product maybe someone will buy the business just trying to find an easy way to make money and then looked at that and realized that you know I'm now a business owner and I have people and there's something that can be made with this and the thing that always gave me the courage to go forward again was that I know I had a good product and I know it was helping people and it really could change a mom's complete experience of motherhood. And then I would remember my own experience and be like, well, if I had this, things could have been different for me. So that's what kept driving me to to push forward. Having those experiences now, it gives us a lot of perspective as well, because in this economic climate, there's a lot of opportunity to pivot which is the new buzzword, everyone's pivoting. Mm -hmm. And there's all these different opportunities. And especially when people see a brand and we've developed a reputation, there's a lot of opportunities that come up. And now I know what my path is. It's very easy to say no to things that don't feel right or kind of don't suit my vision for the brand. Whereas before, I think that was quite confusing. And if there was an opportunity to collaborate or get to a baby show, it would just be like, yes, 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 yes to everything. Mm -hmm. Now it's very different. And I think comes with understanding what I want to get out of this business. You know, what's the vision? Yeah, absolutely. Are there any lessons that you've learned during this journey or in life that you hope to pass along to your son? Definitely try to distinguish between if you're thinking with your head or your heart with moving forward. I think everyone is always going how do you find life balance and how do you balance being a mom and being an entrepreneur and those kinds of questions. And the thing at the end of the day is business and work is part of life and they've kind of been put into two different categories. And for me, I'm always working, but I'm always living my life the way I want to as well. I don't like going to business meetings in weird environments that I wouldn't normally feel comfortable to go to. Like, why can't we have a business meeting on a Friday evening with a glass of wine watching the sunset, you know? things like that. So if I had to pass on anything, it's to model to my son that you can create a life that you enjoy, no matter if you're working 16-hour days or if you're working for someone, you can make choices. The one thing that's been very beneficial now is when I started hiring staff and being a mom myself and realizing that this is a mom-based business. When I hired, I always said that it was going to be half day jobs for everyone because we are moms. So when we had the shop, we didn't open from nine to five. We opened at half past eight in the morning and we closed at 1.30 p.m. because whoever was in that shop was a mom and she had to fetch her child from school and then go spend the afternoon with her child. And lots of people were like, you know, you've got a shop, you're paying rent. Why don't you keep it open and hire a student to work there in the afternoon? And I was like, because a student is not a mom and she can't sell my baby carrier the way a mom can, which doesn't understand 
understand how to relate to where that mom is. So it was a real mom-based business. So now I've got two staff members out, but those job positions were four-hour-a-day job positions. So myself and Sean are able to balance those positions. We're still able to support each other. I've completely designed this business to suit my lifestyle and suit what I think a business should look like. I think people don't take advantage of that as business owners and entrepreneurs these days because they think, oh, this is what it looks like to be an entrepreneur. This is what it looks like to be a business owner. And they follow a laid out example, which you don't have to do. I'm so glad you said all of those things. And I loved hearing the fact that you are building your business through the lens of a woman, through the lens of a mother. And to your point of coming in early and leaving early so that you can pick up your kids. If we build businesses with empathy, if you give mothers the opportunity to pick up their children, then you know what? You're also opening the doors so that fathers can go pick up their children as well. And so I I really appreciate that you think about it in that way. Like, how do we make it so that we can continue being successful as a business, but also that addition of having a happy life and doing the things that you need to yeah. do for yourself and your health? Yeah. I mean, I think it's because it was always a man's world when businesses were born and I don't know, the whole world started churning money like years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a man's world. And then women were allowed into the man's world, but nothing changed. And we just acted as if we don't birth babies, you know, like the fact that there's still women that are having to ask that they can go and pump. There should be a pumping room for breastfeeding mothers. When I hear friends of mine saying, oh, I had to miss this thing of my son's because I had to work late or whatever. I'm like, I'm working for the wrong company. Why don't you speak up? It's bullshit. You know, we can right. do better. Women should speak up and talk about it and say to their boss, I'd be more productive if I was happier. <laughs> it's quite simple. It's not rocket science. I want my staff to be happy, you know? Yes, absolutely. What you said about having a room where you can pump, a lot of businesses don't have that. It's the bathroom. Who would mm. want to do that? Who would want to pump in, in a bathroom? You'll store your breast milk in a fridge as well. Yes, Sorry, with like lasagna. Yeah, um, and then the men look at it like it's disgusting. And meanwhile, right. it's nourishing human life. Like, give us our own room. <laughs> right. If someone is proud to work for the company that they work for, and they know that the company is looking after them as well, then of course you're, well, I shouldn't say of course, but I feel like in that environment, I would want to keep working for that company. I would be proud to work there. And you don't want to lose your job. You wouldn't want to lose a job like that where the environment supports you and supports your well-being, you know? So that's the dream. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is the dream. Shannon, what do you do to prioritize those aspects of your life where you have the the work component and time with your family and also yourself. Do you have a, a plan that you set ahead of time or do you note just in your mind for this month, like these are the things that you want to focus on? And so then you put the effort toward those things. So I use Trello, Trello boards is kind of my obsession at the moment to organize <laughs> all my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and changes quite often because it's kind of a drag and drop management thing and that's why I like it so much the one thing that's changed and helped me a lot is getting up early I wake up no later than 5 a.m every day Monday to Sunday sleeping in for me if I had to sleep into 6 a.m I'm like oh my gosh it's six o'clock it's so late (laughs) because my, my body clock is reset and that's really helped me because there's so many hours When I get up at four, I feel even better because I've accomplished so much by the time 7 a.m. comes, you know. And I use that time 
to always meditate. I try to do a yoga routine at least every two to three days. And I'm actually getting quite good at being religious with that because I was quite bad. I'd get in a groove for a while and then I'd lose it completely. And then I wouldn't do yoga for three months. And my body needs to move. I'm in a high pressure position now where I've got a lot of people that are all helping me to make this business work. But I feel that pressure of if there's a bad month, you know, I don't want to have to ever have a financial situation where it forces me to let staff go. And I think because it's so new for me to have people and a team, that's the main thing that's forced me to be more dedicated to having a routine. So yeah, I'm very good with getting up early. I'm not so good with the cooking side and making sure I eat as well as I should. I think it's just, it's a slow process and it's the journey. It's in itself to organizing everything and making sure like with my Trello boards that I'm focusing on the right things and things are changing so quickly in 2020, especially in this country from one week to the next. We don't know what laws they're going to change and what crazy things they're going to come up with. It's more for me getting up early, just being dedicated and having certain anchors in my life that I know that that's happening today. In terms of focusing on what projects are going on, I keep it super simple. I'll have three things that I want to achieve for the day. I like making lists, but then I will always create a new list in the morning and call it today in Trello. And I'll drag the three most important things there. I'm like, right, these are the three things that have to get done. If those get done, you can go for a walk on the beach or you can do this or you can do that. But if those three things don't get done, you're not going to sleep. So (laughs) yeah, I've become quite good with kind of doing that. And that's made me have more progress than the days where I had the tea small things on a list to do because there's so much stuff it's so overwhelming if I just simplify it and you know I learned this from a friend of mine he's a business coach when you create a goal and you put something on the list like design Mother's Day campaign he's like that's not a point there's 20 points inside that so break down that one point into the action steps so number one brainstorm ideas for Mother's Day campaign that could take you an hour number two find photographs that are suitable for Mother's Day campaign. So now I'm very good like that as well. Instead of putting this big monumental task as one point to accomplish for the day, and it's actually a seven hour task, that's not going to happen. You know, your phone is going to ring. Someone is going to need you. So if I can just keep it simple, even if it's three things that I accomplished that are 20 minutes each, I've, I've made progress, you know? Yeah, I'm going to write that down. So I'm hearing more and more from founders that waking up early is the way way to go. I I will try my best to start that because I did do it for a time. And you're right, it did feel good because I was very productive in that time, even if it's like you mentioned, one or two things, right? I'm going to exercise during that time. I'm going to have a cup of coffee in the quiet by myself and make sure that I'm journaling or make sure that maybe I can get this one task done. And so then by 8 a.m., when the kids wake up, I will have been productive and have Mm. done a number of things. There's a shift that happens in the time. And it's actually, if you wake up at five and you go to bed at 10, Mm -hmm. then you're going to have seven hours sleep. So that's decent. But if you wake up at seven and you go to bed at midnight, you're never going to get up at five and go, oh, let me watch my favorite series on Netflix. Because you're going to feel like that is not cool. You can't watch Netflix at 7 a.m. But if you're going to wake up at 7 a.m. and then go to bed at midnight, by 10 p.m. you're like, "Mm, should I do that or should I rather watch a little bit of Handmaid's Tale? Or, you know, that was me before. And I'd be like, I can work and watch Netflix. And you can't. And I'd sit there past midnight taking forever to do nothing and watching a series. So that's why I prefer shifting that timeline to waking up earlier and going to bed earlier. I still get the same amount of sleep. It's just getting into that routine. 
So you talked about your friend being a coach. Do you have a method or how do you prepare for things like speaking engagement, Shannon, or interviews? I was actually never, I never really did a lot of it until last year where the business kind of got thrown in the limelight when a big retailer copied our product. (laughs) I don't know if you know about that story. I am not familiar with the big retailers in South Africa, but to my understanding, they copied your baby carrier. Yeah, it's a long story. We can go into it if you want to, but basically it just kind of threw us in the limelight and that triggered all these interview requests and things like that, which I'd never done before. I had spoken in front of small crowds in the web design or WordPress communities, and it wasn't too intimidating for me because I was knowledgeable in those arenas. With this, I was getting asked real business questions that I didn't know the answers to. After a few of them, I just realized this is just like having a conversation with a friend. For this interview, I meditate and have some quiet space before and ground myself, what am I trying to achieve here? What do I want the audience to get from this? And just understanding what the interviewer is trying to get out of it as well. So I don't really do much in terms of preparing or learning how to do public speaking and things like that. I mean, there has been certain instances where People have asked me to come and speak at certain events and then they're like, you have to have 30 slides. It has to be 30 minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm out. That's not going to vibe for me. I don't have time to create presentations to suit how you think a talk should be done. I've got information that I can pass on, but you need to let me do it how I want to do it. Otherwise, I can't do it. So I also say no to a lot of things that don't align with me, even if it's a big brand or a big gig. I don't want to do things that's going to make me feel really uncomfortable. I'm a bit of a hippie. I like to walk around and if I want to take my shoes off and walk with no shoes around, you know, I want to be able to do that. (laughs) I've always been quite comfortable with the people I'm talking to and people that I say yes to. It's people that I would be happy hanging out with in real life. And I think that makes it easier to talk to. And if someone asks a question that I don't know the answer to, I'm not going to try to give an answer. I'll just say I don't know because I don't know a lot of the stuff that people want to ask me questions about. I'm just figuring it out as well, you know. Yeah, I can relate to it because I actually felt really self-conscious because I I felt like, oh, this person knows so much more than me or out of the gate, Mm. this this founder knew what to do, how to talk about finances, how to do all these things. And Mm. that's not true. When you're trying to do something in a space that you've never been a part of, it's just about going in there and saying, I don't know, but I'll find out. If you could go back to 2015, is there any advice that you would have given yourself that you know now that you would have liked to know then? I think one of the things is to not be so obsessed with what your competition is doing or what other brands are doing in your field and worry about that, oh, I better do that too, or when customers often come back with feedback and they say, oh, you should do this. This is an opportunity. Or why don't you make this product? I've got an idea for you. I used to feel very pulled in loads of different directions all the time. People were very passionate about the product. They wanted to help and they were like, this is such a cool idea. Well, you should add this on when you've kind of got the ball rolling on your new business. You do get a lot of advice, friendly advice and opportunities that arise from friends and family and people in the industry. And you often don't know what to say yes to. I think that was what overwhelmed me a lot is I would just say yes to everything. Learning to say no and rather understanding like what's the values of my business? Why am I doing this? What path am I trying to go on? Would have saved me a lot of time. 
intuitively I would have always known when I said yes to something and didn't feel quite right. It's funny to me and my best friend, we always talk about this now. I think I heard Marie Folio say it. I can't remember which other podcast I heard this on, but she said, if it's not a whole body yes, then I'm out. I'm not interested. <laughs> so now that's kind of like my gauge. Is whenever there's something that comes up or someone offers advice, I always listen and I say thanks. But you know, if it's not a whole body yes from me, then it's a no. <laughs> and just keeping it simple and focusing on what I'm really drawn to. I think that would have helped my business journey. Yeah, I think it's the whole how do you handle feedback, right? Because Exactly. Every, even if people have the best intentions for you, your business, any type of advice, it's kind of taking that advice, those suggestions and figuring out how to... Yeah. And the problem is when it's friends and family, you also don't want to offend them because if your right. best friend or someone gives you advice, they're like, oh my gosh, this is a much better way you can do this. And if someone else did this, my friend has this restaurant and this worked for them, you should try it. And you're like, oh, that's really cool. That sounds interesting. Thank you. You know, but now they're like, hey, are you going to do it? <laughs> so it, it can be difficult because you don't want to offend people. And you've got to remember, who are you doing this for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's when we, we start to make more lists. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and what's next for Ubuntu Baba? And are you thinking about perhaps going global with your baby carrier? Yeah. So from the beginning, when I registered the domain, I got my .com because <laughs> in mm -hmm. South Africa, we usually get .co.za. And I had this dream, my absolute dream brand or inspiration brand is Sarah Blakely Spanx. I love her brand. And I did always envision Ubuntu Baba as a global brand. We are exploring that at the moment. It's like such a learning curve because I know nothing about that side of exports and imports and how it all works. So we're kind of navigating that at the moment. We are now shipping worldwide. We've just opened those doors to Australia and to the UK now, but we're also still trying to get our shipping fees a bit lower and the turnaround time a bit faster. But there's a lot of interest and we actually worked it out that we have shipped just under 100 baby carriers to, I think it was about 19 different countries over the five-year period, five and a half years that we've been going. And that's through word of mouth again. It's through a mom having a carrier and then immigrating or telling her friend in another country. So there's definitely opportunities out there and it's something we're exploring for sure is to have more of a global reach. And then what's going to be the next step in supporting moms from that fourth trimester because that's obviously that element of having a physical space is missing. So we're investigating a lot and brainstorming together on different ideas and ways that we can still continue to support the community and support moms that are needing it. That's really exciting. And wow, 19 countries. That's amazing. So I like to wrap up the episode with some rapid fire questions. What do you think? Yeah, okay. I liked it. <laughs> are you a morning person or a night person? Both. <laughs> what would be your ideal office view? Cityscape, the mountains, or the beach? The beach. What is the very first thing you do when you're alone? Play my favorite music. What is your favorite music? Oh, there's so much. <laughs> I have so many playlists. Let's look at what's my latest ad. Ulafar Arnold. For now, I am winter. It's beautiful. Ulafar. Mm. So it's O-L-A-F-U-R and then Arnold's A-R-N-A-L-D-S. That kind um, of music is my favorite. I'll look for it after this so I can hear what it's like. What show have you binge watched and loved? Well, I mentioned Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, um, that's a good one. I'll tell you, I mean, everyone knows about that, but The Outlanders mm -hmm. has been one of my favorite series. <laughs> I love that. 
A book that you have gifted the most or revisit often? That would be The Tale of Pooh and The Tale of Piglet. And it's by Benjamin Hoff. It's about Taoism. It's a very cute little book. And it's about understanding the concept of Taoism and living in the moment and being in the flow with nature and with life. It's a really awesome book. I absolutely love it. Lovely. Something you enjoy doing with your family? Hanging out on the beach, going away for little mini getaways, like hiring a little house in the mountains or somewhere cute on a lake and just chilling out completely. Yeah, that's the best. What do you do to stay alert and sharp throughout the day? Drink a lot of water, breathe, and not spend too much time on social media. Social media is toxic. So I really limit that. In the moments where you're feeling nervous or fearful, what are some things you do or say to yourself to calm down those nerves? I would use Kundalini meditation. So to calm myself, I try to clear my mind and slow my breath and I breathe in mentally I think sat and exhale and I think numb so it's the chant sat numb so Mm -hmm. literally it's just sat numb sat numb sat Mm -hmm. numb and I breathe in and out and that's all I try and do sounds really silly but it actually really works I practice meditation every day it's a quick way for me to clear my mind and come back to the present moment when I experience fear I realize that it's based on not living in the moment because you're trying to project into the future and getting scared for that and you can't enjoy the present moment so that's the tool that I use yeah what are some things that other women have said or done to empower you That's a good question. I draw a lot of inspiration listening to founders, female founders' stories and listening to their journeys. One of my favorite entrepreneurs in South Africa is Dawn Nathan-Jones. She is a founder of Europe Car. I actually told a friend of mine a few weeks back when I'm in a tricky situation, I always think to myself, what would Dawn do? (laughs) Because she's a bit of a rebel at heart and I just love her. And then that helps me with my decision. (laughs) So what would Dawn do? I've definitely got my inspiration people. There's Sarah Blakely, Dawn Nathan-Jones. I love Danielle Laporte as well. She's amazing. Marie Forleo. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listener, the mom, the woman out there that is building something or thinking about building something one day? I just enjoy the journey and don't focus so much on the end goal. I think that can really overwhelm someone. It's what A is to B, what B is to C, what C is to D. And just take it one day at a time. Break down your things into smaller things and pat yourself on the back as you go. One thing that I've learned is that you have a vision for your business and only you are the one that sees that vision crystal clear. Even if you try and explain it to somebody else, they never quite get it. So just celebrate the small little victories in between, even if it's just you celebrating it with a little walk on the beach or whatever you do to celebrate. Keep patting yourself on the back and keep going and you'll look back eventually and see how much progress you've made. Shannon, thank you so much for being on the show, for being honest and open about your experiences and your stories about how you were a new mother and how that contributed to the ideation and success of Ubuntu Baba and inspiring mothers and women that with passion, empathy, and hard work, we can build really great things. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice chatting with you. 
Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Links to everything we discussed are in the show notes. To connect with Shannon, visit shannonmarymack.co.za. Again, that's shannonmarymac.co.za. And to learn more about Ubuntu Baba, visit ubuntubaba.com. That's U-B-U-N-T-U-B-A-B-A.com. Or follow the community on Instagram at Ubuntu Baba. Again, that's U-B-U-N-T-U-B-A-B-A. And if you have a moment, I would love and really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us to get more amazing guests on the show and grow the podcast. You can find more interviews with inspirational moms building inspirational things on momswhobuild.com. Until next time, keep building what brings you joy.